This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's the Now News Panel on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown alongside Alex Smythe and Michelle McQuig. Let's get into the next topic. The federal government is capping the number of international student visas. The cap will mean a 35% overall reduction in new student visas this year. Immigration Minister Mark Miller lays out some of the thought process. Even though we've put a lot of thought into this, these are still very pretty much blunt measures from the federal government. We're we're playing with um, with taps that we're turning on and turning off and, and allocating between province. Uh, so it's, it, did we get it right? We'll see. Uh, but we need to work with provinces in the meantime to make sure that they are doing their jobs. Michelle, you broke this story on Monday on the show <laughs> in real time, and there, were, there weren't really many details available as you were sharing no. it. But this is a great opportunity four days later to reflect on some of the reaction and the ripple effects. What threads do you want to pull at in this yeah. conversation? It does kind of go against the grain for me to give you guys one sentence and then not follow it up with something more comprehensive. So <laughs> thank you for humoring me and letting me come back to this. But I do think it's very interesting because I feel like this issue comes up when discussing a lot of the really hot button topics of the day. It comes up a lot with regard to to housing, to the strain on, on provincial resources of all types, to the, the education experience of international students itself is an absolutely fascinating and often a terrifying thing to explore. There's a, a really excellent Walrus article from a couple of years ago that I highly recommend for those who want to read about more of the details of the system that, that the very complex machine that brings international students here and the way Canada has become a really prime destination for that. Um, all of this, of course, is happening against the backdrop of another heated topic of immigration, which is becoming a, a really, really fraught and complicated one to discuss. So mm. all of the, the international students kind of lie at the nexus of all these issues, I find. And this measure uh, does seem like a, a one that's getting some more nuanced reaction than we're accustomed to seeing. But there's a lot of different threads that it could have an effect on. So the government is talking about addressing one particular issue with these measures, but it has knock-on effects for other ones. And yeah, I could yeah. Just imagine uh, us batting this around a little bit. The, the, the Ontario uh, Colleges Association just yesterday came out and said this puts them in a very bad position economically. Yeah. And I, Alex, I actually think that's maybe one of the, the places to start this conversation mm -hmm. rather than some of the lenses that get tossed out like housing. Okay, like, oh. you know, like, I think we've sort of beaten the housing horse to death here. But I, when you get the reaction that there's been from universities and colleges all across the country, it really does suggest how much the the money made from international students, and it's significantly higher than, than tuitions huge. for yeah. Canadian residents, it really begs some questions about the long-term viability of post-secondary schools in Canada without massive numbers of international students. Yeah, because it's like it could be quadruple the amount a uh, per student from an, a, when you compare international to a a, uh, a local Canadian student attending the same institution for the same program. I I feel like 
post-secondary institutions have really um, kind of it, it, it's it's all about generating revenue. You know that that's really at the heart of it. They they offer the the programs and 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 the classrooms and and those experiences and the education. But it's really about okay, how do we stay viable financially? How can we maximize the the growth and and provide opportunities, bring in and attract students, faculty, staff from all over the world? You want to be the best institution within your backyard, and mm. you do that by by having the 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 more resources, and so it, it always is tied to money. And obviously, the international students is is the the biggest cash cow for a university, in my opinion. Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. you know you can generate so much revenue from very little, um, I guess, extra work being done because the student is coming to uh, to do the same program as a local student would, but you you can charge them far more. Yeah. You know? Alex, yeah. let, me, let me put that number in context, right? I, th I think it's yes. sort, of, sort of pulling it a specific here. You guys may recall the conversation that we had about Quebec raising tuition for out-of-province students, out-of-province Canadians yeah. a couple weeks ago, uh, a couple months ago, and we dove into some of those numbers. So a Quebec resident going to a university like McGill or Concordia is going to pay a couple of thousand dollars a year to attend the school. A international student will pay $20,000 yeah. a year, right? So, Michelle, this isn't just some situation of, oh, it's a couple nickels here, a couple nickels there. No. This is like 10x. This is a substantial amount of money that might get sucked out of the university systems and college systems. I I believe I've seen the word billions tossed around in a wow. few different provinces. Yeah, I, 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 if not hundreds of millions, possibly billions. They are crazy amounts. And this is where, I, Dave, I actually agree with you completely. One of the key issues here is the sustainability of the post-secondary system. We've had provinces like Ontario writing reports as far back as 2019, saying that the current system was unsustainable, that the, there's been a tuition freeze in place for a while, that the governments have reduced funding to, to colleges, and they're trying to make up the differences through these international students. And that's where it comes back to the, the experience of going through this this machine that really is a machine and, and some of the, the human consequences of that approach and rationale that Alex laid out so well are just horrifying when you think of the individual exploitation of some students. Meanwhile, you've got governments that are that are not acting to do more to bolster the post-secondary system. So when Mark Miller on the clip off the top made reference to the provinces doing their jobs, I can't help but think that's part of the conversation mm. of how do you try to limit their dependence on, on international students. So reducing student visas is, is, is one piece of the puzzle, but it's not directed at sustaining these post-secondary institutions. Yeah, yeah. And now that conversation has to happen alongside it all. Well, the money has to come from somewhere, right? Otherwise, you're talking yeah. about cutting programs or cutting staff or cutting faculty or reducing student services. Right, or like, closing altogether like or, Laurentian. Yeah, or closing yeah. altogether uh, like Laurentian or individual colleges closing like newspaper, journalism and broadcasting programs, right? Like Absolutely. that, that yeah. bummed me and Alex out a lot last year uh, when we were talking about that off the air. But Michelle, you wrote an email to me or to us earlier this week with some of these questions and thoughts you wanted to pick up. And you wrote this question about the actual student experience. And the way that I interpreted that was actually the overall student experience of everybody who attends schools rather than just international oh, students because okay. because I was applying the mm -hmm. lens of my time at McGill University and what it meant to have such an amazing group amazing. of diverse people coming from all over the world that that again I, I I did not live the shelteredest life in the world growing up in Montreal but it was it was kind of sheltered and McGill was just this eye-opening experience of meeting people from all over the world and Alex like that is what university and college is 
kind of supposed to be. It's supposed to be that chance to learn about people from different places. And I do worry that there's going to be some tapestry lost on campus when you lose that flavor. Well, and even beyond the idea of just having people from all over the world, it's what are the level of services going to be available for students on campus? That's how I interpreted uh, the oh, question. Oh, okay. Because okay. <laughs> I, we're, we're all viewing this from a different different lens because I think it goes back to the financial supports. So, okay, well, there, if we're not getting the amount of money from international students coming to attend our institution, we're going to have to cut back on the on-campus services and experiences that you can actually offer up students. So it may be a lot more bare bones that you're literally here you attend a class, there may be a couple of, um, you know, like food stalls, and, the, and that becomes basically the end of your student experience. Everything else is just on you or you're paying extra for that. That's how I kind of view the lens. But I 100% mm. agree with you, Dave, the fact that it's like there is such a, a an element that will get lost when you don't have the international students. You, you, you can't just sit down with someone who's from another part of the world and find out why you decided to come to this institution. That was a great part of my experience when I was at Trent University is yes. it's having chats yeah. with these these international students and fun why'd you come to Peterborough of all places? I don't know why I came. It's like, why did, why did you come? You could have gone anywhere. It's, it's, it was truly fascinating. And, and Great question. Fun. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, Michelle, I, I love that the three of us all interpreted your question in different ways, and that's why yeah. people end up breaking up over text message, because sometimes it's hard to understand the written word. But what do you want to explore in the actual student experience question? <laughs> I mean, apart from the fact that an editor is obviously so unclear as to provoke three alternate reactions, <laughs> obviously I gotta gotta up my game. Um, but yeah, like all of these are very valid. I, Dave, I, I shared your experience of, of just loving the, the experience of, of getting to know people from from beyond my usual circles at, in university. Alex, I think you're really onto something because that is exactly what's going to happen. The universities have been open about this. If if they if they are losing this funding and can't recoup it somehow, there will be cuts to the campus experience. But I was also thinking of what I mentioned before of, of the the international students themselves who have to get who come here after being recruited through this elaborate system and then who they were then dumped on this. And that is what part is part of what the government claims to be trying to address through this is shutting down some of the bad actors as in, you know, really Mickey Mouse colleges that don't offer a quality education, ideally trying to, to, to curb some of the practices that dump people here without any kind of supports, without with strict rules that govern how much work they can do, which leads them to work under the table and in really unsafe ways. And a lot of the time, there are so many different ways to look at that, but I think they all have value and speaks to exactly what a complicated issue this is. Mm. Cause you can't, people hear international students and immediately put it into a box of like, Oh, this is just a very specific section of the, of the, of the system, it's, it's, it's universities or colleges at most, and doesn't have any knock-on effects. I very much beg to differ, and I think we're seeing that here. Michelle, I appreciate you've made a couple references to that article in The Walrus, because that was actually featured on AMI-audio's uh, Voices of the Walrus show. Uh, Don Dickinson stopped by to explore it. I, I want to say it was about a year and a half ago or so. And you're right, some, some of the horrifying exploitative stories from, like like you say, I love that, Mickey Mouse colleges and, and what they're doing to people, well, like, charging them tens of thousands of dollars for oh, sort yeah. of like non-diploma programs, like like, pre like preposterous stuff. 
Here's where I do want to circle back to housing, though. I know I kind of kicked the can down the road here, but I, I want to do this through a framing. I, I want to change the framing of the housing side of this because certainly that has become the cross-section or intersection of a lot of conversations about current immigration targets, visa, and then comparing that to the housing crisis that we've, again, yes. uh, kicked, that, well, kicked that dead horse uh, considerably. But I've always had this question rolling around my brain on the, on the student and university side, college and university side of the housing crisis that begs this question of, should colleges and universities be responsible for using their resources to build significant amounts of housing. And and I Alex, I know I'm kind of ambushing you guys with that question, mm -hmm. but but I but I do think it's a fair question to start asking if universities and colleges want to keep these high numbers of international students, should they almost have to have a one-to-one -one ratio of available, appropriate housing for those international students? And, you know, maybe more than just like the dormitory experience, right? Building more purpose-built uh, apartments that would be suitable for someone in their third, fourth year, grad school, et cetera. Well, and absolutely, because I, I think regardless of whether or not you know uh, students are staying on campus or not the students are paying someone to stay and live while they're they're uh, attending the the school might as, if you're a university or a college that is another revenue if we want to stop go back to the money conversation if you want to maximize the amount of return you can gain from a student build more accommodations and have the students paying you instead of a landlord or or another um, uh, rental company to be able to stay there. I mean, it's it's these revenue streams and I, I always view it's like that's what is the most attractive point for a university or an institution is how can we generate more more money yeah. and more sustainable income? This is the way to do it because uh, I, I can tell you from my experience so currently looking to find somewhere to rent in Hamilton, Oof. Ontario. It is a big student oh. town. You got McMaster University, you got Mohawk College. Some of the uh, units I have seen is just awful what's being charged. You, you'll you pay $2,500 a month to share a bedroom with someone else in, in a basement. It is hard. Just, no, it's atrocious. It's, a, it's atrocious. And how can someone feel they could get away with it? Well, it's because they know there is a need. People need to be able to stay somewhere and they're willing to pay that. So I, I think the appetite for student housing is never going to go away. If you would make those investments, make it, you know, attractive, students are going to choose your, mm -hmm. your, your mm -hmm. buildings, your, your uh, residences over others. So it, it could be a huge windfall for the institutions if they move that step. I barely like living with myself. I can't imagine uh, sharing a room with someone. That would just be uh, too crowded, too crowded for me. Uh, Michelle, I know, I know it's a little bit Dave Brown consulting-y, but I think it's a reasonable question. At what point should colleges and universities actually be responsible for building better housing ratios, student body, but especially when it comes to uh, international students? Sure, it's definitely a good question, but I can just imagine the response now in light of the, the, the cash crunch that's already been flagged. Is it yeah, probably going yeah. to say, well, we don't have the money to build it because we don't have these student 
through these international student fees. So that would put us right back in a chicken and egg scenario. Perhaps this conversation should have been happening a long time ago. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, there's your, your your hot take for the day. <laughs> I, I mean, like like this 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 has been an issue for the feds for quite some time, and I, I feel moved to point out too, given the partisan nature of how these conversations often tend to go, that. The current international student strategy that Canada has been following was tabled in 2012. So that was in the Harper era. Um, just wanted to get that out there for those who, who uh, have heard a lot of opposition reaction around this file of late. Um, but yeah, like this, these conversations were not happening and now they are at a, at a point of crisis. And I, regardless of any merit to any idea that's put forward, I can just foresee the reaction that's going to come and saying, sorry, our hands are tied because we have no money. So even if there's value in the idea, I don't really see how it's going to get acted upon. Michelle, are you asking people to have some kind of semblance of a memory when it comes to politics? Uh, come on now. I know. It's highly unreasonable of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Putting the pieces together and asking for continuity. Uh, come on, guys. Uh, I know. What's it's, going it's on? <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Let's put this one to bed as well. Alex, Michelle, thank you. Coming up after the break, Edmonton is increasing the cost of single-use paper bags. How are you feeling about reusable shopping bags at this point? It's pretty much become common culture for them to be everywhere. My kitchen is currently overrun with them. This is the Now News Panel on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.